get into the proper introductions for all channels so it looks like we're all up and running on all channels so we'll go ahead and start with the proper introduction welcome to the breakdown with Birkenoff episode 14 and the majority of information that we are going to be covering on today's stream is mainly to do with Joe Biden and then we have a little bit of some masked sort of COVID news and then we're going to end with Trump's legal team and the, and his claims of fraud and just kind of check up with if there's any more information than when I did it in the last podcast. But before we dive into the main details, I just wanted to give a quick uh, introduction or a quick uh, promo, I guess you could say, of some things that are going on with my channel in particular and with the network that I'm a part of as well. So I am going to be doing, if you're listening to this live, tomorrow I'm going to be doing a live stream with a, a regular uh, show. Let's restart. I'm going to be doing a regular show tomorrow with, that happens every Thursday with Anna Voltes, And we are going to have that show alternate between channels. But our first weekly show of that is tomorrow on Thursday at 11 Eastern or 10 Central Time. And we are having a special guest who is actually a doctor to talk about the recent news of the COVID vaccine and COVID uh, in general or the COVID health in general. So I hope you'll be able to check that out on Thursday. But if you are listening to the podcast on any of the audio platforms, that will already be out on my YouTube or Twitch at, well, my YouTube, The Breakdown with Birkenoff, and my Twitch at The Breakdown with WB, if you want to check out those later. But also on my YouTube, Twitch, and DLive, for that matter, I have been doing several streams about election fraud. The first stream, I just looked at the election fraud history and the type of fraud that Trump is claiming now. And then uh, yesterday's stream, so Tuesday's stream, because I'm recording this podcast on Wednesday, I talked about voter ID laws and the history of those on it and if they suppress voters are the impact of voter ID laws in particular. Today is obviously the podcast. And then on Friday, since I already told you about Thursday, on Friday I'm doing a live stream of uh, the Green New Deal where we're going to look at the details of that and try to understand the particular parts of each of the Green New Deals and our information from that. So it's been a very busy week and I planned for it to be a busy week because I don't know how much information or how much content I'm going to be able to do for the next two weeks. So I wanted to make sure that I gave uh, good content for these weeks that I know I am going to be a, a part of. So now we got all of that. I just want to make one more quick announcement before I talk about the network. And that is I'm going to be doing uh, snippet videos of the election streams I've done and the Green New Deal stream that I'm about to do that are going to be posted onto my YouTube. So if you don't want to go and listen to a couple hours where we dive in and kind of talk out loud, you can listen to those summary versions where I'm just going to give basically the overall thoughts I took away from each of those streams in a couple minute video instead of just drowning everything and whatnot. So if you like more shorter type of content, you can definitely check on to there and I'll have stuff on my YouTube channel for that. Now I'll mention the network and then we'll dive into 
the particular parts of the podcast for today's episode. So the network I'm a part of is has several streamers. So if you like my sort of content, you'll probably like their content as well. You have J.R. Edgar, R.J. Edgar. You have Stephen Angaramus. You have the Generational Gap. You have the Freckles and Brit Show. You have uh, the R-rated Conservative on D Live and others. And all of those shows are are individual content creators that make sure that we talk about the news in the way we see news and not necessarily uh, the way mass media covers news because if you just listen to those sources, you're going to hear the same things over and over. So it just gives kind of an everyday perspective similar to what I do on my show here. So all of that now, we'll dive in to the particular parts of today's episode and what I wanted to cover today. Oops. Alrighty, so our first article we're going to bring up here is about President or President-elect Joe Biden, and this is by NPR. President-elect Joe Biden hits 80 million votes in year of record turnout. More votes were cast in the 2020 presidential election than any other U.S. election in history, and the turnout weight was the highest in more than a century. President-elect Joe Biden has now earned 80 million votes and ballots, and are still being counted. This is by far the most votes cast for a presidential candidate in U.S. history. President Trump holds the distinction, however, of earning the second most votes of all time. And if you catched my uh, live streams yesterday on election news, we covered that as well. And there's a a regular of my show and other shows of the network that I mentioned. And he was bringing up the point that he just didn't see how Joe Biden got so many votes. Because he he just didn't see uh, Joe Biden as being that type of candidate that would receive uh, so many votes. And there is very much uh, validation to that claim. Because the only way I could really see that being possible is through massive people hating Trump. And and when I say massive, I mean the large part of the population who voted for Joe Biden hating Trump. And I think that is a possibility. It really is. Because President Trump, regardless of if you believed everything he said or not, he's a very divisive figure. So to think that people were voting against uh, President Trump just because they didn't want to vote for him does make sense. But does it make sense for him to get 80 million votes overall? I, I, I struggle to see that claim. Because in a large part, you do not really see Joe Biden's policy come into a factor. In other words, if you ask people that have voted for Joe Biden or did vote for Joe Biden, I guess you would say, you and you ask them what his policies were, I would argue that not many people would know the particular type of policies that Joe Biden has and wants to have. And in a lot of ways, Joe Biden didn't even really tell you himself. And I just wanted to quickly mention thank you for the follow uh, press start. Uh, Press Talk Morlock, I believe I was listening to your stream yesterday and you probably followed me then because you mentioned you are going to. But in case you're listening now, I appreciate it or you may be listening in the past. Thank you again for that follow. It means a lot. But we'll continue on with this article here. Biden total shatters the 2008 record of 69.5 million votes cast for Barack Obama. The former vice president was also on that ticket as Obama's running mate. 
And then this has a little graphic of the uh, presidential vote count for Republicans versus Democrat. And if you followed any sort of recent news, you could kind of see that trend line that they were talking about. So I don't think we need to spend too long on that, especially since it's more of a visual than an actual, uh, than it's more of a visual. And obviously you don't want to just show pictures when you're talking on a podcast. But anyway, I don't think I need to keep blabbering on about that. So we'll continue reading here. Overall, more than 156 million Americans cast ballots in 2020, a number that will continue to climb in coming days as more results are reported. The final vote total is likely to get to about 158 million. This is more than 20 million higher than in 2016 record of 137 million votes casted. The turnout rate is estimated to be 66.5% of eligible voters. And this was done, by the way, in November 25th, and it is the 25th today. So this is an article as of this morning, just to uh, put that out there as well. There are remarkable uh, there, these are remarkable figures with voting taking place in the midst, midwest of worldwide pandemic, or sorry, in midst of worldwide pandemic, that has led to statewide lockdowns and more than 250,000 Americans dead in less than nine months. It has also significantly reduced the abilities of campaigns to do in-person door knocking and voter registration ahead of the election. By the way, just thinking about that they mentioned deaths and and it brought to me another idea that I've definitely heard a lot of people talking about towards against Trump as well. And that is the claim that Trump's handling of the coronavirus was so bad that people were hesitant to vote for Trump for four more years or were so angry about how Trump handled coronavirus that they didn't vote for him because of that reason too. So it may not just be pure hatred of Donald Trump or not wanting to have another four years of media coverage of Donald Trump and hearing the same things over and over and all the negative news. There could also be a large percentage of population of voters that voted towards Joe Biden because of Trump's handling of coronavirus that they thought he mismanaged. So that is another reason that I can see a lot of voters having as well and I want to make sure I'm fair as possible when looking at these situations but we'll continue as of the coronavirus became more widespread most states adjusted their voting rules according including brand, brand bordering access to early voting as a result some two-thirds of voters cast their ballots early the sky-high turnout rate is due in part to the expanded mail-in voting. Traditionally, states that have permanently used voting by mail have higher participation rates than other states because of the reduced obstacles of waiting in line in person. The other reason, though, is Trump, who remains one of the most polarizing figures in American political history, lots of people turned out for and against him. Democrats have now won the popular vote in seven of the last eight presidential elections. The Republican hasn't won it since George W. Bush re-election in 2004. And it talks a little bit more, but that's kind of the main gist of the article I wanted to read on stream and on the podcast for today. But it is rather interesting to see that number of 80 million votes and obviously Joe Biden winning the uh the, uh, pr the uh, popular vote for the election and most likely the uh, presidential uh, vote as well as it's kind of hard to see Donald Trump being able to overturn states at least of what we're seeing so far but that's besides the point because the main question becomes 
why so many people voted for Joe Biden. And beforehand, I was only really thinking of one particular reason, and that being the hatred or or lack of passion for wanting to see four more years of President Trump because of the media coverage or just pure hatred of the orange man. But as you also heard uh, in the podcast just shortly before, I do think a second reason that I've heard many people say, especially Twitch type of streamers say, is the fact of how bad Donald Trump covered coronavirus could be a very huge reason that people didn't want to see another four years of President Trump as well. But do those Two factors combined tally up for 80 million votes and for the largest uh, voter total out of any election. It is a little hard to see, but that is what we experienced. And if you don't think there is fraud or fraud number for the 80 million, then that is a valid number. But then again, we're going to talk about fraud later in this podcast, but... As of now, if you follow any sort of news, you know that the fraud claims that are that are being brought up by Trump's campaign haven't really fully been proven yet, and many lawsuits have already been lost. So it's hard to really tell what exact claims are true and what exact claims are false, at least, uh, as of now, at least. Excuse me. This next article is by CNN. Biden stakes out his anti-Trump presidency. Joe Biden has already kept his first promise. His approach to the presidency will be a top-to-bottom re-excuse re, re, will be a top-to-bottom uh, redoing of the behavior, policies, and obsessions of President Donald Trump. The president-elect is building his administration in the old-fashioned. Or sorry, the president-elect, I might have said that, but I thought I said President Trump, so we'll just reread. The president-elect is building his administration in old-fashioned notions that fa- facts matter, that commanders-in-chief must protect stability, and that the cabinet officials need experience and expertise, that a fractured nation is governable, and now that the world wants the U.S. to lead. In restoring a more conventional version of the presidency, Biden is using his mandate to counter the political forces that lead to Trump's rise and which still delivered more than 73 million votes to the president, Albert, in a losing case. His Washington restoration is not working with, or sorry, is not without risk and is already coming into conflict with Trump's blend of Neolistic conversation that is likely to delegate the Republican Party strategy even when he has left the Oval Office. Biden led out his let out his bet in the most tangible from yet Tuesday as he unveiled his national security and foreign policy team. And we are going to get into his team members a little bit later. But we'll go on uh, and they talk about some of those team members. And I have a whole article particularly about those team members. So we will get to that in a little bit later. Uh, And I'll keep that article up just in case. But I wanted to get to this YouTube video of Biden discussing his plans for the Force 100 years. And this is an interview Biden did with NBC Nightly News. So we are just going to listen to this and then we'll continue on to my next article and talk about Biden some more. Tell me about day one of the White House and... Day one through 100, your first 100 days. What are, you, what are your priorities going to be? Tell me about day one of the White House and day one through 100, your first 100 days. 
What are, you, what are your priorities going to be in those first days? Some of it's going to depend on the kind of cooperation I can or cannot get from the United States Congress. But I am going to make a commitment in the first 100 days. I will send a immigration bill to the United States Senate with a pathway to citizenship for over 11 million undocumented people in America. I will also be moving to do away with some of the, I think, very damaging executive orders that have significantly impacted on making the climate worse and making... So real quick, before he starts talking about executive orders, I just wanted to interrupt a little bit on a general claim that I've been hearing from a lot of people. And when I say a lot of people, it's more conservative type of media, because when you're talking against claims that Biden is making, you're obviously going to get it from one crowd of people, and that tends to be the conservative people. So I just want to make that clear as well. But one of the claims that I keep hearing is the fact that all Joe Biden really is going to do in his first 100 days or his whole entire presidency is making sure that he redoes every single executive order or mostly the executive orders that President Trump has already done. And I do think that every president has kind of done that. Trump did that to Biden. Or sorry, not Biden. Trump did that to Obama. Biden is going to do it to Trump if uh, Biden ends up winning, which obviously he is uh, in a good shape as of now to uh, finally claim that vote or finally claim the uh, the uh, full nomination from everything and not just the nomination by the media. But you get kind of what I'm saying. But another major claim that a lot of people are, are suggesting uh, is the fact that Biden is going to push for climate change more than uh, Donald Trump would have. And some people think that that is a good thing and that is valid, while others think that climate change and the way Biden wants to do it is a waste of money and shouldn't really be the main focus. But obviously you're going to have different uh, results based on that claim. That's less healthy from methane to a whole range of things the president has done as, in my view, has eviscerated the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. There's also things that I want to do that relate to the ability to make sure we get immediate assistance to state and local governments to keep them from basically going under. So it's going to be, instead of what, in a normal circumstance, you'd set your priorities, there's multiple things that are going to have to be taking place at the same time. But the most important thing, I think, is, while I do all, while we try to do all of this, focus on those folks who are always, when crisis hits, they're the first one hit, and when recovery comes, they're the last one in. That's basically minority communities who've been hurt very badly. Making sure we get the aid that was voted on in the House and was passed by the Senate in some cases, and much of which is not passed, get the kind of help to keep people afloat. People, I mean, I remember, I, I remember my dad being re and I remember one night feeling I could hear my dad. You could just hear the bed moving. So the next time I said, Mom, what's wrong with Dad? He said, Honey, he's worried. He just, we just lost our, he had moved jobs. He lost his health insurance. He doesn't know what to do. So 
a funny thing about Joe Biden that he's almost famous for his political strategy, at least the modern political strategy of, of what Biden's doing here. But all politicians have done this at some point. But whenever they address questions, they want to address the question with the story. They want to address the question with something more sentimental so that when they then share their policy or when they share their concept of the policy, it makes people more sympathetic to what they're trying to do. And Biden does this a lot. He loves to tell stories to make people uh, feel passionate about kind of what he wants to do. But then he avoids really answering a question like a mathematician would answer a math problem or a scientist would write down for a scientific study. He doesn't really give you his policies by points, but rather wants to tell you in a story. So it's just kind of funny that Biden has always kind of done that. And Hillary did that a lot well a lot as well but all real you know classic politicians or political figures love to do that and hello tank i see you on uh twitch there not too much just just trying to understand some news and and finish up the 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 main stories that i found for this week and really last week as well think of all the people all the people who are laying at night awake at night staring at the ceiling thinking god forbid what happens? We have to act. We have to act to guarantee them they have access to affordable health insurance. This is more than just a financial crisis. It's a crisis that is causing real mental stress for millions of people, millions of people. And it's within our power to solve it and to grow the economy at the same time, the same time. Some Democrats want investigations to go forward against President Trump after he leaves office. Do you support that? I will not do what this president does and use the Justice Department as my vehicle to insist that something happen. There are a number of investigations that I've read about that are at a state level. There's nothing at all I can or cannot do about that. But I'm focused on getting the American public back at a place where they have some certainty, some surety, some knowledge that they can make it. The middle class and the working class people are being crushed. That's my focus. 2020. So again, he's not really answering the question. He's more just trying to tell a story or a general political claim that he thinks people want to hear. And all politicians really do that. But that's all he was kind of mentioning through there. So if you wanted actual physical answers to it, you're not so much going to get that. And obviously this is a shortened clip of the interview they did that was about 20 to 25 minutes, depending on where you find it on YouTube of the full interview. And you can definitely check out the full interview if you don't think uh, what I'm saying here is right. And I would highly suggest you doing so if you do want to learn more about Joe Biden. But Joe Biden is very good at telling stories about what he wants to do, our general type of, of concept of, of the policy he wants to do, but not really tell you the full details of what he, what he or how he wants to do it, if that makes sense. He'll give you the idea or the concept of the policy, but not how to do it or how he's going to do that so it'd be like telling you to make a chicken recipe you've never made before and only give you the first step and the last step and you have to figure out everything in between 
And uh, Tank says, why are we watching this? We're just kind of catching up on some general news about Biden. Because a lot of recent news about Biden is that he's going to become president. And here's what he's going to do. Because President Trump kind of released a letter about how he's going to transition to Biden. Although if you read that letter, it's not really saying that he's fully conceded the election. So in other words, Trump is still president and still hasn't given up on his fraud and Trump's claims about uh, voter fraud in general. So he's still fighting to become president through that angle, but he still had some talk to Biden about how he plans to transition if these claims become untrue. And Tank also says, I mean, what is what answer you can expect from a person who wears his tie like that? And then he says, Trump is having it. He's having it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, like I like I was saying earlier, Biden is one of the more famous people for dodging an answer. But, uh, I mean, really all politicians are. And that was one of the more interesting things about Trump is that although Trump would kind of do the same thing as uh, politicians would do to avoid the question, not so much in stories, but just kind of talking about something else or something he wanted to talk about instead of the question that was physically asked. But it's just kind of funny to hear uh, how these these different politicians or political figures try to avoid questions. And Trump did it as well. It's just Biden is a lot more obvious about it because he goes straight to an anecdotal or story experience instead of just trying to uh, talk about something else like Trump tended to do. Now, this article is by the Washington Post, and it is an opinion piece. The headline states, Trump has set a hidden trap for Biden. It could do great damage. From the beginning to end, Joe Biden's campaign, foc campaign focused heavily on President Trump's encouragement of white supremacy. His campaign launched a video that was all about Trump's refusal to unbashedly condemn racist violence. At the final debate, Biden declared that Trump pours fuel on every state single racist fire. But now that Biden is set to become president, he will have to act on these words, and there and therein lies a hidden trap that Trump has set off for Biden, one that will present growing political and policy changes at the at the at, at the at the outset. <laughs> but uh, real quick to address those claims. President Trump, uh, in many of the debate stage, didn't really denounce white supremacy because in his mind he already had done so. Even the famous example that many leftists tried to point out against Trump about the, the Charleston uh, riots and stuff where he didn't condemn them. He was, if you listen to his actual words, he did condemn both of the parties there. So he did condemn white supremacy. It's just you have to look through it. And the media, of course, chooses their words wisely to make the person look as bad as possible so Trump has denounced white supremacy several times but you could argue if you only saw President Trump's claims on the debate stage and never listened to any news or anything else besides the debate you could go away with that he never denounced white supremacy but it is rather odd uh, that is a rather odd claim now, Trump in no way is a perfect man, but neither is anybody. So, it, it, those whole claims are just rather bizarre to me. But we'll continue on here. But now that Biden is set to become president, he will have to act on these words. And they're like, oh, we already read that. Biden vowed to restore the soul of the nation as president, meaning he won't use the power and influence of the office to carry out a white nationalist agenda or to lead 
are to lend support to right-wing extremists and white supremacists instead of uniting the country. But what does all this mean in practice? It means many things, from the purging information policy of naked bigotry to rolling out an agenda that takes systemic racism seriously to having a president who doesn't actively encourage police and even vigilante groups. But one of the most foreign, one of the most thorny problems Biden faces will be how to reserve the failures of the previous administration when it comes to specific, specifically to violent domestic extremism and white supremacy. And I see Tank here says he has to flip just around uh, three hundred thousand uh, votes and he will win. For news, I watch Twitch and only Twitch. Yeah, I, I've definitely gotten a lot more of my recent news from Twitch and from YouTube content creators on uh, solo videos of issues or uh, live streams such as the Matt Christensen show on Sunday where he kind of talks about and recaps the week. Uh, with this co-host there, but a lot of my media does come from content creators and their overall thoughts of the situation. Now, I don't know if that is always the best idea because a lot of these content creators are getting their news from the mass media sources. So regardless of how they're covering issues or how they think about issues, they're still getting it from the same sources of mass media. So you have to be careful with what people say and you definitely have to listen to all sides and look into the actual stories yourself because it is it's very easy for a content creator to mention a story or to show a story and have their claim of what happened and it be the complete opposite event to actually what happened because they're just addressing their opinion instead of actually covering what they see in the news or, or things like that. So you have to be very careful about what you take away from content creators, but I definitely, definitely, definitely have get most of my news from individual content creators instead of just mass media sources and mass media mainstream news TV programs. But we'll continue on here. There's a complicated challenge that will entail action on many fronts. They include a look at what our federal laws need to be revamped to treat white nationalists and white supremacists. Mass killings as a form of domestic terrorism. Another imperative as a former National Security Council official Joshua Glitzer points out will be to take seriously the transitional nature of the global white nationalist and white supremacist groups and ideologies. Numerous recent domestic mass shootings were inspired by white supremacist mass mortars, uh, mass, mur mur mass murderers aboard, and social media has created transitional networks exporting white, supre white supremacist violence. All this would require is determining whether this sort of law enforcement activity can be done, and this is absolutely crucial. Without violating civil liberties, only the pursuit of political aims through violent means should be the focus, and all violent ideologies must be targeted. Silver libert libertarian groups must be fully included in discussions of any legal Re reorientations and this article talks a lot more about strategies and how Biden could do so but I thought it was very interesting to take that angle because it was never something that I really thought of because 
I don't like Trump as the man, and I don't think many people like Trump as a man. There are definitely hardcore supporters of Trump that agree with everything he says, and that's why a lot of people kind of think that the, the far right that tends to align with Trump is kind of like a cult-like movement because they believe everything he, the, um, everything Trump says and, and does and all of that. But uh, that... <laughs> That is an interesting claim, which is which is kind of funny to me to think about. But that's a whole separate topic, really. But I just don't really see uh, what Trump said about white supremacy being that big of an issue because he did denounce it. Now, if you think that white supremacy is an issue in America and there is systemic racism, then there are several legislation measures you could do that Trump didn't necessarily do to fix it. And there, there, there's arguments for both sides for that. I don't want to make one side look totally right when it comes to uh, white supremacy in America, but the whole concern of it with Trump just seemed a little bit too... I'm not sure if mainstream is the best word, but too much of a deal of what happened and what Trump physically said. In other words, they made the issue a lot bigger than it really was. And I see Tank's got some comments here. He says, uh, why everybody says Trump is a racist, by the way. And he says, fuck the media. Don't talk like that about my dad. Do you plan on streaming games in the future? <laughs> I'm sorry if uh, uh, Donald Trump Jr. Uh, or Eric, Eric Trump, I think, is his name. If I remember right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it is funny how I could definitely see the, the leftist perspective of how Trump kind of has a cultish type of following for some of his hardcore supporters. They are a very funny crowd to watch, I do have to admit, when it comes to the viral videos about hardcore Trump su supporters. But I think every sort of m at least popular uh, political candidate has had that before. And as far as games go, I'm not too much of a game streamer because I don't really have a gaming laptop as far as streams go. But it's definitely something I am considering in the future. I don't know how fast in the future I'll, I might have something to where I can, can game and, and do it on Twitch too. But that's not really my focus as of right now as far as, uh, as content goes. But we'll continue on with this for this article by Fox News. And it states, Ben Shapiro, why Biden's return to normalcy is going to be terrible. And this is a Ben Shapiro uh, article. At first I thought I was talking about Ben Shapiro when I saw the headline this morning. But no, it's written by Ben Shapiro. And Ben Shapiro is a, uh, well I would say he's a media figure. But he has his own media kind of company. But he's kind of bigger than a content creator, so to say, because he does have his own network. But anyway, you probably know what Ben Shapiro is when you're if you're if you're listening to this podcast on the political channels here. So we'll just keep going. After spending two years avoiding serious questions about his policy preferences, his team and his prospective presidency, as now, as Sorry, we now know what Joe Biden intends to do should the Electoral College, as expected, vote for him in December. We will, he will reopen the swamp for business. The liberal media spent four years suggesting that President Donald Trump was steeped in corruption, escounted in partisanship, and immersed in dangerous foreign policy fiascos. The mainstream media assumed us that they would defend democracy from Trump's bulletin. Italian, uh, I can't say it. Well. They will spend every 
quirky moment fighting to prevent anyone from accepting Trump and standards as the new normal. Instead, the liberal media suggested we need to return to the old normal, by which they meant a system in which the media and Democrats worked hand in glove together to lie to the American public from the content of policy. If you like your doctor, you would be able to keep your doctor, former President Barack Obama, in which convictional wisdom was treated as gospel truth, no matter how wrong it was. There would be no advance in separate peace with the Arab world without the Palestinian process. Joe Kerry on Israel, and in which cozy relationships between corporations and governments were considered the regular. Biden's streak of softball questions, so that kind of talks about what I was mentioning earlier with Biden, that he tends to answer questions with stories or not really tell you anything in particular about the policies. Uh, da, da, da. And he says, I am his lost and recently found child. Oh, okay. <laughs> Swedish na- national raised in New, in- uh, New Zealand and currently living in Central Asia. It's a crazy story. Oh, I see. Interesting. Well, we'll get into my next sort of topics. Um, <laughs> so, those who may be listening to... Uh, medical news or maybe listen to uh, doctors kind of talking about TV shows and how accurate they are or medical news in general and a doctor's perspective on YouTube have probably heard at some point of Dr. Mike. Dr. Mike is a YouTuber and very popular YouTuber in the medical community as a doctor and he has released several videos where he's basically telling people the importance of wearing a mask and that you should be doing it. And he was found not wearing a mask in a major party. And we'll read this article by the Daily Mail. Hot doctor Mike, I can't say his last name, has come under withering fire from his millions of followers after pictures of him ignoring his own advice by partying maskless on his birthday emerged. Mike, who has found internet fame as Dr. Mike, has been in vanguard of stressing the importance of wearing a mask to stop the the spread of COVID-19. But he appeared to break all his own rules when it came to his 31st birthday party, for which he flew from New York to Miami on November 12th to celebrate. A picture of Mike on the boat in Sunset Harbor, uh, surrounded by 14 other people, most of them bikini-clad women, has since dawned with rounds of his fans calling him out for his hypocrisy. I know it's your life and you can do what you want, but you have chosen to be a public figure, and because of that, in your profession, you are held to a higher standard. One follower calling themselves... Irish eyes wrote on Reddit, You are supposed to be the example. I admired and respected you. Now that is all lost. And there are some photos of Dr. Mike. And there's only like two men, three, three. Three men and like at least ten chicks all in bikinis uh, surrounding him on it. What appears to be a yacht maybe? Yeah, it used to be a, a boat or a yacht. Or maybe, well, boats are, or yachts are boats. But you get what I'm saying. <laughs> But yeah, there's just several pictures of Mr. Dr. Mike here, uh, very close to his party goers without wearing a mask for his birthday. But yeah, that's all I kind of wanted to cover here. And this article that uh, that is linked in my uh, in my YouTube channel description and will be linked to my Discord after this 
is goes into great detail about further post about Dr. Mike, but that kind of goes to the main points here and general controversy that w I wanted to talk about. And that brings me to a great transition of Mr. Governor Co Como. So those who, and this story kind of appeared last week compared to this week, but since I didn't have a podcast last week, I thought it would be good to cover this story and to also mention it. And it does have some relevancy for this week as well, because Mr. Governor Como of, uh, Mr. Como, the governor, my friend, well, not really a friend, was caught not wearing his mask in a major party event. And that also includes the governor of California, who was at a major, major, major event that I believe was the richest restaurant, or at least a very popular restaurant, an expensive restaurant, with many of his uh, political figures or friends, and uh, not blah, 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 with many of his friends not wearing a mask, and I probably a way there is something caught the photo or videos of that as well. But both of these governors have made it very clear that they want there to be stricter laws when it comes to Thanksgiving. And I see a comment that I'll get to real quick. Uh, Axley Rangers says, did you break your nose? Purple under eyes. And then uh, Tank says, nah, he doesn't sleep and he smokes five packs of cigarettes a day. Yep, Tank's right. I pa five packs is generous. I'm more about ten packs a day. I'm pretty bad at it, chain smoking for sure. <laughs> now, I, I don't know why I, my eyes are always like that. I thought it was because of lack of sleep. And in general, it is because of lack of sleep when I get like my bags under the eyes. And I used to be really bad when I was in uh, high school. But uh, I've gotten pretty good nights of sleep uh, for the break uh, for these last couple of days. So I'm not exactly sure why that why I do have those uh, bags under my eyes for this week. But in general, it is more because of lack of sleep. But <laughs> that it, yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll just go with that. But I do like the cigarette angle. I might have to use that in the future. But we'll continue here. So this is a, a short video for those who are watching live and I'll go ahead and play it for those viewers now. And then this video is just basically uh, evidence of Cuomo without wearing a mask kind of touching the mayor. In this case it's Mayor Johnson and very close to each other and Mayor Johnson does have a mask. But really they're just kind of touching their, touching each other and being very close and, and Cuomo doesn't have a mask. And we're also going to see another evidence of that with Kamala and Lindsey Graham in our next article. And obviously this is being a little bit nitpicky, I guess would be a word for it. Like, I don't really know if it has that much of importance when it comes to politics and what we're covering, going for now. But it is important to at least show it because these people are the people that make the laws and pass legislation and endorse it. And basically are the political figure, our public figure, for that particular place place so if they're not even wanting to follow their own rules then how are they expecting us to follow the rules you know it's the basic concept and basic human nature people aren't going to want to listen to you and what you have to say if you don't even follow what you have to say in the first place so we'll read a little bit about that Governor Andrew Cuomo is apparently above following his own orders. Now viral video and images show the Democratic New York governor hugging the Savannah governor mayor 
uh, Savannah, Georgia mayor without wearing a face mask during his recent trip to the Peach State to help with the city's coronavirus response. A maskless, a maskless Cuomo, despite his own a- April mandate that New Yorkers wear masks or other face coverings in public when social distancing is not possible and regardless of his repeated urging for the Empire State residents to wear masks, twice embraced a masked Savannah Mayor Van Johnson by the end of the press briefing in City last Monday, the footage shows. At another point, a maskless Cuomo and a maskless Johnson elbowed, bumped each other during the briefing promoting or sorry, promoting Johnson to respond to criticism about the act. We messed up. I mean, yeah, we messed up. Johnson, a Democrat and Brooklyn native, admitted to reporters last week. So it talks about general claims that people had about Governor Cuomo and Johnson touching each other and in some cases not wearing a mask while doing so. And that leads me to my next major point. And again, I don't know how much significance this really has, but it definitely shows that people aren't even really wanting to listen to their own orders or own legislation that they already have or you would think they would want to follow if they want to be truthful and actually have a response to what is happening through COVID because the only way a lot of doctors argue to stop COVID is for people to not be silly when it comes to approaching COVID and not being silly is not wearing a mask and hugging people touching people blah 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 blah. we've heard the same things but we'll go right into this video here and this is a video of Kamala Harris and Senator Lindsey Graham fist bumping each other on a Senate floor and this happened last week around November 20th I believe it was. Yeah, there's no sound for this one. Good. So, yeah, it's just kind of a repeat video of uh, Senator Lindsey Graham and Kamala Harris fist bumping each other and Lindsey Graham kind of touching her. I'm not exactly sure why this was the case. Now, you could argue that it's good that they did this in a way because it means maybe they're working together or at least have some respect for for each other. Because when it comes to politics, we definitely see Republicans and Democrats kind of going against each other a lot of times. And it is good to see more people willing to work together. So you could definitely take that angle to the video evidence we saw. But it's just another example of politicians who pass these strict laws in the case of Kamala Harris wanting to go on another lockdown to stop the coronavirus and her not even obeying the the base restriction of staying six feet apart and not touching uh, a fellow person. So that's just kind of interesting when it comes to that point. But I see uh, Tank saying here, uh, yeah, know those suspicious websites for educational movies. Go check one and find a pop-up ad for removing the purple eye bags. Yeah, maybe I will do so. That's a good idea. <laughs> no, and... Uh, Act says, didn't mean anything by it. Just honestly thought it was a problem was. I have not seen anything close that wasn't broken nose. Yeah, it could be lighting too. This isn't ideal. Uh, I used to have, I used to work in, in my office where I had some uh, green screen. Or not really green. Well, I did have a green screen. But I also had some light setups that kind of made 
the whole lighting and the background a little bit better. I'm just doing it in my bedroom now, but it is still better than having to do it outside or in my dorm room like the past couple weeks, what I've been having to do. But the lighting is a little bit weird, so it definitely kind of highlights my face in the video a little bit uh, differently. So it maybe is showing up a little more uh, because of that too. And I just thought we would kind of end this whole kind of mass type of topic on these last two articles here. And we'll go on to this New York Post one as well. It states, Governor Cuomo takes President Trump's side against disrespectful reporters. Governor Andrew Cuomo and President Trump have found one thing they can agree on. The governor took aim at members of the media for taking on a nasty, nastier tone and openly disagreeing with the president at the press conference. The way they question President Trump at some of these press conferences is just, I've never heard that tone with the president. The New York governor told WAMC host Alan Chart Chartlock on Monday. When Chartlock countered with, well, he deserves it, doesn't he? Como doubled down. Well, yeah, except there's supposed to be a decorum to the institution, he said. You want to say, well, I don't like the president I, and I disrespect him, I know, but it's still the office of the president. Cuomo also mentioned the press has taken on a nastier tone and said some, of, some are just downright unprofessional and ask really really biased questions there's a disrespect that never existed whoops uh, why does the anyway there's a disrespect that never existed i have watched hundreds of press conferences over the years if anyone used that tone they use with me in some of these press conferences if you did that with my old man you would be lucky if he didn't walk around and deck you he added referring to his late father three-term new york governor mario como so that's kind of funny about there, uh, about that comment too, <clears throat> because Cuomo has been pretty harshly under the news as of lately with the evidence we read beforehand. But it is kind of funny to hear him uh, talking about that point because Cuomo makes no uh, makes no. Nobody doubts where Cuomo stands on President Trump. He's definitely not a Trump fan by any means, and he's definitely in a democratic state and democratic city of New York and of the particular areas within. But it's a very democratic area. So it is interesting to take Trump's sides in that perspective. But with this recent news and controversy that he's had, he might be having reporters locally ask him with the same sort of tone that Trump has always experienced. But it's also important to note that a large part of why Trump has that harsh tone against him is because Trump is one to, to embrace that. He... His whole thing has been exposing how bad the fake news media is, or in general mass media is. But at the same time, the way he addresses mass media and talks about mass media is with little respect. So if he gives them little respect, they're going to give him back little respect too. So it's kind of a, a, a cycle. And although President Trump kind of wants to break the cycle, he still has to expose the cycle. So he has benefit of having that cycle keep on repeating, even though it's never necessarily good going to improve. So in other words, yes, they are disrespectful most of the time towards Donald Trump in these press conferences, but at the same time, Trump doesn't necessarily do things to avoid it or do things to help that problem. He rather encourages it with what he says back. So it's kind of this ever never-ending loop that I just recently explained. Now we'll get into this last article here. 
Uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo reverses course on family Thanksgiving plan- plans after aimed backlash. And this is by CNN. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo canceled his Thanksgiving plans after facing criticism for planning to have a holiday meal with his mother aimed escalating numbers of COVID-19 cases. On Monday, Cuomo told WAMC's radio host Alan Chartlock that his 89-year-old mother, Natalia Cuomo, was planning on traveling to him in Albany along with two of his daughters for the holiday. My mom is going to come up with two of my my girls in this recent in this current plan Cuomo said what the plans change he cautioned a I have a lot of work to do between now and Thanksgiving later in the interview as well as during the press conference earlier in the day Cuomo warned New Yorkers who are planning on holding Thanksgiving celebrations as usual that it was dangerous given the 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 given that the virus spread can can Given that the the virus can't spread in large indoor gatherings, he previously signed an executive order limiting private indoor gatherings of a max of 10 people. So then the CDC kind of came out with their claims, and Cuomo has recently uh, changed his restrictions and allowed for more than 10 people at the gathering, but at the same time wants people to wear masks and take things more seriously. But it is interesting to see that he has now changed his policy and his plans plans after severe backlash against uh, Andrew Cuomo in this particular example. And I see Tank's got some comments here before we get into our next topic. It's getting late and you're leaving, Tank. All right, well, have a good rest of your, rest of your day or night whenever you go to bed. Uh, I know last time it was a little bit later when you were streaming, but you said you were going to bed then. So I'm assuming you're probably going to bed pretty soon. So again, have a good rest of the night or, or whatever time it is for you there. But we'll start with this next article and next kind of uh, major uh, topic for today. And that is Biden's pick. And I thought it would be smart to first start with the pick that we know of. And Biden has picked his UN ambassador. And I've seen several people talk about this UN ambassador candidate. So it would be interesting to see other people's thoughts on her in particular. But we'll go ahead and read this article by Bloomberg. When Linda Thomas Greenfield was held at gunpoint on diplomatic assignment in Ratha in 1994, she tried her best to look calm as she explained to a glazed-eyed young man that she wasn't the woman he was told to kill. I was afraid, don't get me wrong, but I didn't panic. Thomas Greenfield, now one of America's most experienced diplomats and President-elect Joe Biden's pick for United United Nations ambassador, later recalled in a TED Talk. The Tulsa woman who was intended who was intended target was among hundreds of thousands killed during the genocide that year. Some 26 years after that harrowing experience, Thomas Greenfield would soon be preparing for a Senate confirmation hearing. Leaning on her experience across four continents, including State Department assignments in Jamaica, Nigeria, Switzerland, and Pakistan, as well as Washington as Assistant Secretary of State for African Affairs. 
After four years of America First messaging from President Donald Trump and Secretaries of State Rex Tillerson and Michael Pomo, Thomas Greenfield's appointment is a clear signal of return to judicial di diplomacy and to cooperation over confirmation at the UN. It it's also a vote of confidence in a career diplomat whose influence has been diminished. So that was a major point here. The the major news about her, and I haven't really seen too many people who are talking about their the addition to uh, her as being the UN ambassador as a bad thing. She has a ton of experience, and people send people people tend to uh, like her as that candidate. So there's not too much bad stuff to say about her. And as of now, with the limited research I know of her, I do think that that was a smart pick of Joe Biden. And the article obviously talks about her experience a little more, but I just mainly wanted to read those parts and mention that that is one of the candidates that has been mentioned. And no, I don't think I said uh, Pakistan... Uh Acts. I don't know what 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 I was referring to. Ugh. I don't know what I was referring to where that where you might have heard that. So I can't really tell you what the word was. But I don't think I said uh, Palestine or Pakistan. <clears throat> we'll make sure we haven't missed any comments here, real quick, and then we'll get into this article by CNN, and where it talks about kind of hit Biden stakes of the uh, president movement. Uh, actually, we go to this one first. This is also by CNN, but I like this article a little bit better when it talks about uh, cabinet members. So we'll go to this one, and then we might go back to the other one, depending on uh, what we covered through here. All right. President-elect Joe Biden is building on his cabinet as he prepares for his time in the White House. The cabinet includes the vice president and the heads of 15 executive departments, agriculture, commerce, defense, education, energy, health, and human services, homeland security, housing and urban development, interior, justice, labor, justice, labor, state, transportation, treasury, and veteran affairs. And Alex says, hee hee, you did, just was funny. Oh, well, I don't know why I said that, but that is kind of funny. Several other key positions also have cabinet-level rank, including White House Chief of Staff, Environmental Protection Agency Administrator, Office of Management and Budget Decorator, United States Trade Representative Ambassador, Council of Economic Repeat. Council of, of Economic Advisors Chairman, Small Business Administra Administration Administrator, U.S. Ambassador to United Nations, and Director of National Intelligence. All of his cabinet positions will require Senate confirmation in addition to some of the other cabinet-level positions. By the way, if you ever want to do a, a, a different type of tw tongue twister, you might want to read that paragraph right there, starting with several other key positions and ending with national intelligence. Because if you can read that five times relatively fast, then you are set. You you should you should I don't know what a I don't know if there's a position out there to have a job as a tongue twister expert, but if you can read that five times fast, you are a tongue twister expert. But uh, we'll read the positions that he has claimed so far. So he has mentioned somebody he wants to be Secretary of State, and that is Anthony Blinkenhan. Then he has mentioned Secretary of Homeland Security, do Alejandro 
I don't know his last name. You have Chief of Staff Ron Klein. And then you have his National Intelligence Director Avril Hines. Then you have his National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. We've mentioned the UN Ambassador already. His special, special Presidential Envoy for Climate is John Kerry. And I have heard some recent news about John Kerry through being a cabinet member. Because in a large part that is... Uh, that is important uh, for Joe Biden's presidency is having a climate change program because in large part that's what he's ran off of and many people on the left want to see more climate change uh, solutions and legislation being passed so basically climate change is a huge issue and he's mentioned John Kerry for that position and from the brief research and what I've heard about John Kerry that does tend to be a pretty decent pick, although a lot of people who are more on the left side of Twitch streamers or content creators want Joe Biden to have at least one or two kind of more very left type of political figures in his cabinet member because those people will be always be around Biden and tell him type of what legislation are their general thoughts about what's happening. And it is important to have different perspectives and for a lot of people they want to see more farther left legislation being passed and as of now Joe Biden is is having a lot of people that have been there before or that represent kind of the establishment so although it's a return to normal it's a return to a normal a lot of more progressive type of Democrats don't want to see because they, they want to see new laws and new type of ideas being passed and not just a return to what already was happening. And I see uh, you got some comments here, as you said. What's your background? Who are you? First time here. Like mini intro, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Basically, uh, well, my whole idea of what I, why I made a YouTube channel, Twitch, and DLive, and all that, why I do streams, is kind of trying to understand news. So this particular stream I'm doing now is my podcast and the breakdown with Birkinov that's on Apple and all those all those uh, other audio platforms but basically for my podcast I just go over the week's news or major stories and I give kind of my opinion on it and I read the articles a little bit to to make sure nothing's taken out of context because I try really hard to make sure I fully understand the story and sometimes that means kind of talking out loud while I try to understand so it's more just trying to get my opinions of what I see happening and updating people on news who don't spend time themselves reading articles or maybe watching TV on it. But then on my YouTube channel and other streams I do, I try to tackle issues and kind of take the same sort of approach where I try to see uh, what where I should, should align with. So I, I recently did a stream about voter ID laws uh, that I did yesterday where I looked at the history of voter ID laws and read some scientific journals about if it uh, suppresses minority votes and things like that. So it's trying to understand an issue through basically talking out loud. And where I align politically is I tend to, I try to be moderate as possible, but I definitely lean more conservative than any other direction. So I don't know if I can necessarily call myself a centrist or a true moderate, because definitely a lot of my political alignment is with uh, more conservative than anything else. But at the same time, I try to keep an open mind 
mind and think about different type of ideas because I have changed my mind on other ideas through doing that. And I am doing a stream on Friday about the Green New Deal, which I think is going to be very interesting because I don't really know that much about it. And depending on where you stand politically, you're either kind of for climate change or you're against climate change. So that's going to be a really interesting one for me. Uh, Axe says, it did fall, repeat, it did fell with coal focus for Trump. The various pieces on energy resource cost a lot for the international trade. Curious if it will change. Then I also see something from Dark Sage 9117. He says, as a Trump supporter, I am willing to give Joe Biden a chance, even though I was attacked for four years and called all kinds of names. But there is one thing I'm curious about since Biden supporters never bring it up. Axe says, no matter if right, left or right, country first, I support our nation. And I do very much like your last claim there, uh, Axe. It is very important to keep the country first. And the problem with politics that I see the most today is about how divided people are in it. If you are uh, voting for Joe Biden, chances are you are left and you hate Donald Trump or you at least don't like Donald Trump. If you're voting on the right, you're probably voted for Donald Trump and you don't like the media and you probably hate some of the left as well or at least the far left type of figure. So there's just so much hate across the nation and for who you vote for that there's not really an idea anymore of meeting in the middle and coming up with common legislation. Even on the clip we played at the beginning of today's podcast with Joe Biden talking about what he's going to do for his policies in the first 100 days or in general, he was mentioning several executive orders he wants to pass or change on what on what President Trump did. And executive orders are no way trying to meet in the middle. And because at least right now, the Senate is Republican, the idea of Joe Biden passing these more type of far left legislation is very unlikely. And I might not be for most of this far left type of legislation that people want to see, but at the same time, it's interesting to, to think that politics has become so partisan that the idea of passing even a maybe far left type of climate bill is so unlikely just because the Senate is Republican. There should be there, there should be a concept in government where you're able to come up with legislation that's for the mass amount of people or for your constituents and not just because of how divided you are. In other words, the idea of coming up and meeting in the middle, I think, is so lost that it's hard to see any real improvement through that happening. And I also see some more comments here. Uh, as Dark Sage says, I am very curious how Biden supporters defend Joe Biden when he said, if you do not vote for me, you're not black. Liberals like to call Trump a racist, so how do they defend that? That statement is textbook racist. So I am generally curious how Biden supporters can defend that. And to answer your question, uh, Dark Sage, I don't know if they can necessarily defend that comment. Many conservatives were, were quick to point out right away that that is basically textbook definition of racism or uh, Biden being pretty obviously racist. Now, a lot of people on more left-leaning type of programs and content creators were saying that it was more of a joke, but... Even if you grant that it is a joke, it's still a racist joke. So although it may be funny, and although jokes are good to have, even 
jokes are good to have in 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 the planet, really. But there's a difference between making a joke and making a racist joke, especially when you were wanting to become president. And a lot of people also argue that Joe Biden's past policies were pretty racist as well, especially with his drug bill. So there is definitely evidence of Joe Biden potentially having a little bit of racism compared to Donald Trump. And you could say that both candidates could potentially be have a little bit of racism in them, and you could grant that. But the idea that leftists say that Joe Biden is not racist or doesn't have a little bit of racism-ism is very odd when you had the same sort of claims towards Donald Donald Trump and people saying that he's basically an all-out racist. So if you want to actually be fair when looking at both candidates, I would say that probably both candidates have at least a little bit of, of possible racism in them. You'll never know for sure because you're not inside the mind of either candidate. But you cannot just say that what uh, Joe Biden said there was just a complete joke and kind of laugh it off and laugh it off when President Trump says lesser things and gets called more racist than that claim that Joe Biden made. So if you want to be fair, you have to be fair for both sides, and it is important. You can't just say that one person's worse than the other because you personally don't like their policies. I don't like Joe Biden's policies, but not many people even know what his policies are. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I think he's racist every time, but I do think he was definitely racist with that other claim. And I see you have another question here. He states, uh, Dark Sage, assuming you're a he, <laughs> they say. <laughs> here is my other question that I am very curious about and would like to see what you say. And I'll wait for your question there. So, <sighs> it's hard to see politics changing for the better, even with a Biden presidency. And I don't have really an article talking about this, but since we're kind of off on this uh, side tangent a little bit, I'll go ahead and mention it. But I've heard many claims of, of Joe Biden saying that he wants people to unite together. He doesn't see red. He doesn't see white. He doesn't see political parties. He wants people to come together. He wants people to unite. He wants people to be okay with each other and have a good time. And you see a lot of leftist celebrities saying the same thing. There was a YouTuber that was talking about Alyssa Minano, 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 Melissa... I can't think of her last name now, but she let, let, we could pull it up on my Twitter actually. Uh, but she had a claim of of something that she was mentioning through basically saying that we need to unite together, even if you are a Trump supporter. And the YouTuber I was listening to was arguing, well, that wouldn't be the case because you basically said that. Uh, if you are a Trump supporter, but basically, repeat, his whole argument was if it was the other way around and Trump has won, you would be calling out for people to, to protest. You would be calling out for people to be not happy with the overall election result. But because Joe Biden won, you were happy enough to say, hey, well, let's unite together. Let's be friends. So he was arguing that although the statement seems kind of good and seems uh, something like all Americans should do regardless of who wins, if it was the other way around, that statement would be much different. And I do think he has a good point there. But I'll find this tweet real quick. And then we might be able to find a video uh, if we if we want about uh, Joe Biden's claim about that we need to unite. But really, I don't think we necessarily need a video because you can do a simple Google search and pull it up for yourself. 
if you don't believe me, but he's definitely said it several times that basically we just need to unite together and, and, and everything. But let me see if we can find this tweet. Let's see, let's see. Come on, where are you? We're getting closer now. Oh, here we go. Here's the tweet. And this is on November 24th. I would like to extend an olive branch to Trump supporters. I am ready to move hashtag forward. Or forward together, excuse me. There are so much work to do to heal the nation. Let's be a part of the solution and not add to the problem we face. My comments are open. Please reply with hashtag forward together with a little heart at the end. So it is kind of funny to think about that claim too. But I'll go ahead and answer your comment I see here. Then this is by uh, Dark, Stage, Dark Sage. Biden is lying when he says he wants to help minority communities. How come zero Democrats will, pub will ever publicly come out and say, we are sorry for the vital and racist things we did to minorities down south, and we want to show you, you are, we, we are not a racist party. I asked a Democrat this in a, at a town hall in my town, and they said to me, well, we passed civil rights, at, uh, so we made amends. It seems to be the Democrats are afraid to admit they caused Jim, Jim, Jill, Jim Crow down south. And <laughs> I see your comments there. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll read your next comment here, because I'm not sure if you're exactly uh, uh, answering that question or not, but... Uh, Dark Sage later says, But yet Democrats will never publicly come out and condemn the vile and racist things they did to minorities. Excuse me, for generations. And then you ask why. And Alex says, or Axe says, Straw man, that is why we come off as dumbasses. Argument, argumentation like that for the right side. That is a little bit of a straw man and more kind of adversary. That So another slight issue more concerned I have with politics is that people will oftentimes when arguing positions will basically attack the other person rather than try to find a policy or talk about a claim and politics has become very much that way but I don't necessarily think about what you were saying there Dark Sage is wrong both parties have a decently bad history for any sort of movement that we have seen. Now you could argue that the Democratic Party may be worse on when it comes to slavery laws and, and things like that. And you could argue that the right may be wor worse or the Republican Party may be worse when it comes to suppressing votes through gerrymandering or whatever kind of other major subtopic you hear about today or in the past with the parties. So no party is absolutely perfect. But it is important that you at least are on Honest with what you, what your party did in the past and what uh, the historical history you had, especially if you're someone like Joe Biden who has passed those drug war events before, and he has said that he was wrong, especially with the crack extension to the to the bill. But at the same time, he hasn't really necessarily condemned it as much as a lot of people want to see. So it is a re real interesting kind of battle between. Uh, what you should do and what you shouldn't do when it comes to that. But you do have to be honest. And I think that's really the answer I have there. Because why they wouldn't do it is basically to hide their past. Because 
the only people that really know about the party's weaknesses or what the party's done in the past are people that are politically active. And if you're somebody who's just kind of a normal American that doesn't listen to news or follow politics or anything or, or didn't pay attention in history class and whatnot, you wouldn't necessarily know about those, those past events. So a lot of times these people uh, will try to ignore their past and not talk about their past. And when it's brought up, just basically talk about something else or not really answer the question. And it's because of that very reason. The only people are, that are going to pay attention are people that are politically active. So if they, never, if they don't come out and answer the question, then nobody's ever really going to know about it. So that's kind of what I think about that whole situation there. And uh, I see access some later comments here, winning versus talk, and an emotional versus intellectual. And both sides definitely have an emotional argument, and I was talking about that a little earlier, because Joe Pinan's a very famous example of when he wants to avoid a question or when he gets asked about a policy, he'll bring up a story rather than talking about points. And I compared him to like a mathematician or a scientist when they're writing a study. That when a scientist or mathematician talk about something or write a study, they have to make sure that they define every single step to, to their procedure or how to do it something. Like a math problem, you have to show every single step and how to get to the final result. But when it comes to politics, when, when someone asks you about a policy, you should do a similar thing when talking about policies. But a lot of times, politicians like Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton and such would avoid that by just bringing up a story and telling you about the concept. It would be like a scientific study saying energy drinks are bad, but then when you go ahead and read the study, they talk about anecdotal experiences of people who have drank energy drinks but would not show you any data behind the results so you're not really getting the full story and the full outcome of what they're saying so that's kind of how I view those arguments an argument should an effective argument has a lot of elements within it an effective argument is going to have emotion through pathos which is emotion and it's going to have intellectual and reasoning some common sense and maybe some statistics and numbers so if you are a politician and you're addressing policy, if you have emotion, common sense, and statistics within how, why you should uh, follow this policy or why you should vote for me for this policy, you are going to win a ton of arguments because it's a very effective way to win arguments. It's why it's a very common business strategy in meetings or debate strategy to try to win someone over with not just pathos but also reasoning and statistics. But why I both have you here, because I don't know how much longer you are going to stay, and I don't want to lose you uh, real quick. I am going to have a stream tomorrow at uh, 11 Eastern Time or 10 Central Time. Um, and although it's Thanksgiving, I'm not sure if you'll be able to show up, but I, instead of just blabbering on, I'll, I'll tell you. So <laughs> tomorrow I'm having a stream with a doctor and my co-host, and we're going to be talking about COVID information in general and, and information about the COVID vaccine and what the doctor kind of thinks about it in his, uh, his pros and cons of the vaccine in general. So I think it's going to be really interesting. So if you do have time tomorrow to uh, catch that stream or maybe catch it in the past, you can probably do that as well. It should be very interesting and I'm very excited for it. But we'll continue on to my next article. I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that while y'all were both uh, still here. Uh, Act says, if we do sec sectoral I would agree, and then they say, but if not, it's not fair to ask for that. Yeah, that, that is an interesting idea, too, 
but but you're 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 addressing that comment. I forgot to read your first comment there. I read it in my mind, but I'll read it out loud to make more sense for the people listening. You said I would argue that that we are not secular, so that's not a good argument. God is part of our nation, and um, as of lately, that argument could be debated about how much God has an influence in today's country. But I am a Christian myself, and I take it you at least have are a Christian or some sort of a religion that has a God. So you would kind of take the similar argument that I have. But as a nation, we have become more and more less believing in God in statistics and people in general and just general conversations and openness about issues that go pretty much blatantly against God, such as sex and pornography becoming so available. So available. But that's kind of a whole different side tangent. But I do think it's important to understand that issue too, but that's a whole real separate debate. I don't know if I'm necessarily explaining that very well, but in general, I do agree with you. I just don't know if if necessarily the whole nation would agree with, with your statement there. Oh, hello, Ron. I haven't been checking my uh, my uh, comments there on DLive, so I'll go ahead and read some of your comments here. Sorry about that, Ron. And you said, I don't know. I don't know if gerrymandering should be considered as vote suppression if you try to map out people who have similar views. So if they elect somebody who will mirror their views while in office, shouldn't that be considered a good thing? We are supposed to have government with the constant of the governed. My House of Representative district includes Oklahoma City liberals and our royal area is heavily conservative. I don't think that that is a good mix unless we can achieve a form of government that actually follows the Constitution and does not get involved in social engineering. Then Ron goes on to say, in other words, all of the programs that were instituted under FDR and Lyndon Bay Johnson must be ended along with the Federal Reserve and IRS. If we had a constitutional government that protected our liberties, it would not matter how the districts are drawn or gerrymandered. And I do like that. And and that's why I kind of, I brought up gerrymandering as an example that I hear a lot from the left saying that it's an obvious example of Republicans using uh, gerrymandering to, to suppress voters and to have uh, more elections win locally. But... That is a, a topic I think I could have. I could have a whole separate topic like I did on voter fraud with gerrymandering. And if y'all would want to see that, I'm very willing to do that one of these weeks and kind of go over the details and see for myself. Because I don't know that much. I don't know too much particularly about gerrymandering and the results from it. But I do know that a lot of conservatives say it's no big deal, while a lot of more liberal type of, of people say that it is a big deal. So it'll be interesting to see which one is right. And Axe says, but if not, it's not fair to ask for that. Reason I pointed that out reason I pointed that out is that it sets some fundamentals to work from. As long as we have our base in Christianity, it's a bit weird to ask for different behavior, even though I get get uh, even though I get the gist. Yeah, I, I definitely see what you were saying. I may not have, have explained myself very well, but I definitely get what you're saying through your through your claim there, uh, Axe, for sure. All right, so we'll go ahead and read this article here. Senator Collins says Biden's cabinet picks pick signal return of Obama's dash, 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 
Repeat, Senator Collins has Biden's cabinet pick signal return of Obama's disastrous foreign policy, and this is by Fox News. President-elect Joe Biden's appointments appear to signal a return of Obama administrator's foreign policy, which had disastrous consequences for our nation. Senate Aimed Services Committee member Tom Cotton, Republican Arkansas, warmed Fox and Friends on Wednesday. Cotton, an Army combat veteran, made the comment two days after the Biden announced a member of key cabinet appointments, including Anthony Blinken as the Secretary of State, uh, I don't know how to say his name, I apologize for that, as Secretary of Homeland Security, and Avril Hines to serve as the first woman to lead an intelligence committee along with other positions. Describing his cabinet appointments during an interview with NBC Nightly News on Tuesday, Biden said that this is not a third-term Obama term, or just sorry, this is not a third Obama term because we face a totally different war than we faced in an Obama-Biden administration. President Trump has changed the landscape. The former vice president continued before referencing the president's foreign policy stance. It becomes America first, which which meant America alone. We find ourselves in a position where our lines are being frayed. Biden went on to say during the interview, it's totally different. That's why I found people who joined an administration and key points that represent the spectrum of the people as well as the spectrum of the Democratic Party. In response, Conan pointed to a former president of Barack Obama's memoir where he says a lot of people were responsible for instances for advising him to go to war in Libya, a war that is now in its 10th year. He called the war a 10th year after party that introduced civil war and slavery and unleashed a flood of migrants into Europe. Look at ISIS. The rise of ISIS happened after Barack Obama rushed us out of Iraq, Conan said Wednesday. He also noted that Biden's appointments are from the same group that said that you could have a separate peace between Israel and Arab nations without resolving the Palestine question. I don't know if Ron is still here, but I know that Ron is definitely um, somebody that that doesn't like war. (laughs) And Biden is, for a lot of people, sparks a return of more wars and, and money that comes from wars for the Democrats and particular for Biden. Because Biden's one of those people a lot of people argue is going to be more pro-war. And that's kind of the claim that this Fox News article was talking about as well. And what I mentioned beforehand with when we went over the particular cabinet members that have been selected. Not yet confirmed, but have been selected for Joe Biden. And a lot of those figures have a little bit of a return to normalcy and really the normalcy that a lot of people are talking about is a normalcy like Obama had so if that is a true statement and that is what happens a lot of this return goes back to more wars goes back to the type of ideas we saw before Trump and some people may like that but a large part of population wouldn't even be happy with that because a return to normalcy isn't even what they wanted to see either uh Ron says Promote more government social programs to take care of their needs. Can't change that at present, but we really need less government and less government programs. These government programs are the result of government, local, state, and federal meddling in every aspect of our lives. Biden is a warmonger. And yes, I have definitely heard that claim, and I definitely agree with it with the research that I have done. And that also brings me to a point. I think I am going to do a live stream. I was going to wait a little bit, 
but I might do it uh, next week, depending on how things go, about the particular Biden policies. We'll go to his website and we'll try to understand through what either Biden has said or his websites about these policies and his claims. Because really, I don't know too much about the particular of Biden policies because I've been reading a lot of news articles and a lot of interviews, and Biden doesn't really talk about his policies. So I haven't really visited his website that much. So I think it'll be interesting to see if his website or other websites really talk about what Biden says. Because in general, I know about the basic concepts that Biden wants to do, but I don't really know the details or how he wants to do them. Uh, Ron says, every major war has been been headed by a Democrat. World War One, Wilson, World War Two, FDR, and Truman, Korea, Truman, Vietnam was kickstarted by OBJ, the ME program, was started by FDR, when he made arguments with the Saudis for their oil about one of the U.S. battleships during World War II. Not about aboard one of the U.S. battleships. Oh, aborted one of the... Okay, gotcha. Yeah, um, I don't know those claims 100% myself, but it is interesting to hear them from you, Ron, and from other people. Because you're not the only one that has said those sort of claims. And I don't know why this isn't updating for... Oh, no, it is. Okay, we're good. Yeah, uh, so I, I definitely have heard those claims before. They mainly come from uh, you, Ron, on DLive or YouTube, wherever, whenever you uh, chime in for comment sections there. But I've heard them also from like the Prosecutor channel on YouTube and other sort of channels um, about that the Biden's a warmonger and that most wars have started from Democrats. But that is a very, very interesting claim. But we'll go on to this next article by Vanity Fair. Republicans are really trying to argue that Biden's cabinet picks are corrupt. As, Biden, as Joe Biden introduced his first round of cabinet picks Tuesday, one thing that stood out was the fact that none of the people on stage were total nutcases. None had, none had, uh, st- none had bad things. No one suggested consuming bleach. This whole bleach claim, I don't really even know where it came from. I could just be ignorant on this particular fact. Maybe Donald Trump did talk about bleach, but I have yet to see in an exact example where uh, President Trump has done that. That doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, as I've just said. But it is very interesting to hear that claim over and over. Uh, but it just seems so bizarre. Even if, if President Trump did say that, it would seem very bizarre that people would actually do that. And uh, Ron says, it's in the history books, no reason to make it up, but always verify. Exactly, and I'm not saying that, that you're you're lying or anything, Ron. I don't think you, you know that I am, but just to make that clear. Especially when it comes to history claims, it's very hard to change history. Now, you can always make up things in history and just hope people don't really look it up. Many people have been caught for doing things like that. But when it comes to who was the president during the wars, that's very easy to look at. You just go, World War I, this. And maybe it might take some conspiracy type of angles, but not all conspiracies are based totally on non-fiction, are based on uh, it's fiction. Always get those two mixed up, but not based on like false type of allegations. 
uh, we'll keep here. Republicans, though, are already trying to paint Biden's nominees as dangerous, in- inept cooks. Indeed, the bizarre award of the GOP. It's not Trump and his stooges he's had running for the United States government the last four years you need to look out for. It's Biden and his team of experienced establishment figures. Biden's nominees, Marco Rubio, tweeted to... Tuesday seem in, in, in impressive on paper, but what actually will be the polite and orderly caretakers of America's decline? Decline, sorry. The private counseling work of Tony Blinkman and April Hines, Biden's picks for the Secretary of State and Director of National Intelligence, respectively, is of a great interest to John Corn, who showed conspiracy considerably less interest in a tangle of conflicts and foreign ties of Trump and others around him. I want to see what foreign countries, if any, they have worked for, he wrote Tuesday. And Mike Pompo, the blustering Secretary of State, took direct aim at his successors. I know some of these folks. They have a very different view, he said in Fox News interview. They lived in a bit of a fantasy ward. So it just kind of talks about some general claims about Biden cabinet members. I'm going to see Ron here. He says, Truman dropped two atomic bombs. How many Republicans have done that? People do not want to accept it, but the Democrats are the real racists. I can't find any videos of Trump making racial statements, but I can find plenty of Biden making racial statements. I don't know when you exactly tuned in, Ron, but uh, there was a guy on my Twitch. uh, I'm trying to go to his name so I can quote him. Uh, Dark Sage. I don't know if Dark Sage is still here or not, but Dark Sage was was also mentioned that same claim about that uh, that uh, that Democrats are more racist, and he also brought up the claim about Donald Trump himself and saying that he hasn't really seen any claims of Donald Trump being racist, but I've seen many examples of Joe Biden. So he's kind of brought up the same examples of that you brought up there uh, for D Live. In the comment section there. And it's hard to say if either one is necessarily 100% true or not. But I definitely more agree with Ron and Dark Sage than I do with anybody else when it comes to those claims for sure. Don't get me wrong. Trump is no saint and he has been forceful enough about ending the peaceful, or ending the perpetual war on terror. But Obama-Biden started way too many wars while they were in there. They, they toppled Libya and reunited the slave trade there, and they attacked S- Syria, which had nothing to do with the war on terror. John McCain went to Syria and hugged the moderates, or hugged the moderates, and in uh, parentheses there, terrorist there. <laughs> McCain was a warmonger. Yeah, I've definitely heard about McCain being a warmonger too. And again, once again, Ron, I definitely agree with your claims on that point as well. I don't think that there's, uh, yeah, it's hard to argue against those claims because really I don't know any alternative argument points to what you said there because, again, I think they are true. So I don't think, I, I don't see a point of arguing against it because I don't really have anything to argue against for that those particular points. Uh... I'll read this uh, Hill article here, but real quick, I'll check my YouTube, make sure I haven't missed anything. For some reason, my YouTube's been a little uh, weird on my computer, so I don't know if it, what's going on quite there. But we'll wait for it to load again, and I'll continue on here. Trump's campaign advisor tests positive after attending legal team's press conference, and this is by The Hill. And we're waiting for the article to load. 
Come on. Come on, article. Come on. You can do it. Maybe it's not an article. Maybe it's just a video. I thought it was an article because I look at all the articles before I read them. So it should be an article. I don't remember this being a video. But we'll just wait for it to load. If it doesn't load up, good. Then we'll we'll, we'll continue on. Uh, I see a commenter on YouTube. Sorry about that. Uh, Benjamin, 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 you speak very well. Keep up the good work. I want to know what's happening in Georgia. What is Sidney Powell doing? And we're about to get into those claims. Hopefully you haven't been uh, commenting. Hopefully these comments aren't too, too old as my YouTube wasn't wanting to update for some reason for that. But... Thank you for your uh, comment there. It, it, uh, that means a lot. And we're about to get into the particular claim of Georgia. And Ron has also watched a lot of videos. I believe it was on Georgia when we talked uh, yesterday on stream a little bit about those claims for the Georgia in particular. But I see there's one more. There are pictures of that weird. I will tell you something weird. I have noticed since the end of the election that when I commented on tweets on Twitter that my chat window all disappear or all my writing will disappear and I have to retype everything glitch question mark or somebody actively monitoring what I type I find uh, something a little different about <sighs> how do I say this there's definitely some pretty obvious censorship that happens on Twitter and Facebook. I know more about Twitter than I do Facebook. I do have a Facebook, but I don't really go on Facebook too often. Uh, but I do... I, recently, I have been tweeting a lot on Twitter. But long story short, uh, to answer your question, I do think there is some pretty active censorship against conservatives on Twitter. Uh, and it's almost been an obvious way. There's a YouTuber that I was talking about earlier. I think it was name is James the Quartering. Is it Quartering? It may not be Quartering. I'll see if I can find his channel because I want to make sure I get the person right. It's like Johanna Rises, I think his name is. But he recently had one of his videos that got uh, demonetized or didn't get demonetized and whatnot. But he also sent out a Twitter uh, tweet that got uh, basically harassed a little bit. And he thought he was experiencing some pretty obvious censorship through his uh, Twitter there so that it could be a very possible claim for sure when it comes to those points but let me see if we can find his actual uh, Twitter here it's like Johanna Rises I think his name is it may be easier to go to we'll just search that real quick I see some comments here so I'll get to those while we're waiting for me to find this and access streaming on other sites also. Yes, I stream on Twitch, YouTube, and DLive. And my Twitch and DLive are, are the breakdown with WB. And my YouTube is the breakdown with Birkenhoff. And I stream on all of those live. And I also have some independent uh, videos I post on YouTube occasionally. And all of these live streams are obviously posted there as well. And I am going to actually have some videos on my YouTube about summaries of these past live streams I've done. So if you don't want to watch all of those past two hour long type of live streams, you can watch those videos instead. But I see another comment here by anti-anti-fascist. Facebook changes their policy towards what they are censor every two weeks. And then Act says, it's not a public service. We shouldn't expect anything else with a private service. Or we should make some legislation to enforce it. 
you are correct. They are not a public service, but they are protected by Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act. So in since they are protected like a public service. And that is the big thing about that act. And a lot of conservatives are not necessarily worried so much about Joe Biden's presidency, but they're more worried about the censorship that could come from it. Because a lot of times Joe Biden is going to make sure, our Democrats are going to make sure in general, that this Section 230 doesn't get updated. So if this Section 230 doesn't get updated, then it means that we are in for some trouble over what particularly is going to happen with it. And I'm trying to find this video of this guy because I can't remember his exact name. So I'm going to have to go to my history here to see if I can find it real quick. Because I do want to make sure I mention the person himself. Although this may not make for the most thrilling audio content here. But I think it was something Johanna Rises, uh, Jonathan Rises, it's like Johanna, I think. But it's a guy, and he, anyway, he was claiming that his YouTube channel was getting uh, censored, and his Twitter side of it was getting censored as well. But to answer anti-anti-fascist uh, comments to that whole Section 230 as well, it is very true what you are saying about his Section 230 and the comments about that. Because like I just said, more people are real worried about the potential censorship of tech companies for conservatives with a Joe Biden presidency compared to the former presidency of, uh, well, still presidency, but you get what I'm saying, of President Trump. And I see Ron here says, uh, be right back. All right, I'll catch you uh, in a little bit, Ron. Make sure I haven't missed anything on YouTube. All right, YouTube's looking good. All right. I agree, but with the Patriot Act is another piece of legislation completely. And then Act says that's weird considering the Patriot Act. Yeah, the Patriot Act is its own separate huge issue. And it's another thing that I at least want to research and I might do a stream on. I have a ton of topic ideas I want to do streams on and try to understand. Because as I was telling Axe earlier in this stream, my whole concept of doing these streams and, and why I made a YouTube channel and all this is to understand issues. So I like to take an issue and try to talk it out loud and, and read research on it live as I try to learn about it. But I have made videos in the past where I did that research and then kind of shared everything in a more like concisive way. But anyway, long story short, I do want to do an actual research paper or topic on the particular uh, parts of the Patriot Act. Because even a lot of Democrats don't like the Patriot Act. At least Democrats that I've talked to, including a former professor I had of a government class in my community college. She very much did not like the Patriot Act and what it did. Because it is almost pretty obvious spying that uh, the government is allowed to do at that point to its citizens. So it's very suspicious when it comes to the, the component of the Patriot Act. But it is something I need to know a lot more about before I can just talk about it without uh, getting claims wrong. Because I don't want to make sure, I don't want to share misinformation. The main concern, well, we'll go back. Axe says, true, I, I do get your point, but I find us in a messy situation where we expect wrongfully. Then anti-anti-fascist says, the main concern I have with it is they are allowed to do whatever they want and they attempt to get away with it. My Twitter is banned for saying communists and Nazis should die. <laughs> that, that is funny. And then Axe says, it doesn't matter which way. 
My Twitter, low. I just read that. The Patriot Act is garbage. Yeah, exactly. I, I want to do a whole uh, topic video like I was just explaining. Because there is a lot of issues wrong. Even with my very basic understanding of the Patriot Act. There is a lot of issues wrong with it. But I do, by the way, I do like your name, Anti-Anti-Fascist. That's kind of funny. Uh, I, I realized it the first time, but I want to make sure I point that out. You got your whole kind of algebra thing going on there. You, you know, minus times a minus is a positive. <laughs> but anyway, I don't want to talk about math. I hate math. I don't know if you like math, but if you like math, I'm, I'm sorry about that. But math is not my strong suit. Alright, let's get to this next article real quick while we wait for it to load. I guess that article was just a video, which is very odd because I don't remember ever pulling up a video. So, I'm not sure about that. Hmm. Uh, da, 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 da. we see comments here. I have some uh, da, da, da. IMO when we privatize it as it should be expected to serve to serve as public service. Somehow people forget that in this dis this in the discussion. Excuse me. Anti anti fascist says I have some research papers I have written if you want to use them. It was just for trolling trolling the Antifa streams and an act says I am great at math low and an anti-anti-fascist says I am into school period and then they say pardon my typos and your typos are not bad at all trust me I, I have dyslexia myself so my typos are a whole lot worse by the way thanks for the follow anti-anti-fascist I, I highly appreciate that for some reason I haven't gotten my um, follow sounds or follow animations to work so, I'm not sure why that is, but I do see your follow, so I thank you so much for that. My alerts, yes, alerts. That's I knew I was I knew I was missing the word. Uh, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, trust me, my typos are much worse. If there wasn't Grammarly or or, or uh, spell check on on Microsoft Word or Google Docs, I would be in for quite the situation. Uh, Ron says here on DLive, the Patriot Act is garbage. It is the opposite of patriotism. It is an abomination to liberty. And then Ron also says, to serve the low reminds me of the Twilight uh, Zone episode, to serve man. If you have not watched the old black and white version, you are missing out on some great writing and acting. I never get tired of watching that show. Yeah, I can't say I've seen that show myself, and Anti-Anti-Fascist is asking what I'm using. Right now, I'm using just OBS, and I am going to use OBS, uh, what do you call it, Live Studio, or Streamlabs, that's the word. I am going to use Streamlabs, but I haven't moved everything over yet. My computer is re very rebellious when it comes to audio. I use, It took me pretty much a year to get the audio uh, uh, components to work for, like, catching videos or for interviews and I finally just got that to work about two weeks ago and I even brought it to people that that use a Mac because I have a Mac computer I don't have a, a Windows I even brought it to streamers I know of that use Macs and they couldn't figure it out either but I finally figured everything out and had to uh, cancel some software I guess that got downloaded that was messing with it and all this so anyway long story short I am planning to move to Streamlabs because I know that Streamlabs gives you uh, a lot of extra setups but one of the streamers that I work with, uh, or, or I talk to a lot, was having problems with their Streamlabs too. So I'm taking a little bit longer to transition because right now everything's working. So I don't really want to mess anything up And when it comes to that, if that if makes any sense. <clears throat> uh, da, 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 da. Axe says, huh, to, to two audiences, we should 
do Twitch versus them. And then Anti-Anti-Fascist says the alert setup is a bit different. There's a good tutorial videos that are decent. Yeah, I, d I had to use the tutorial to actually get uh, part of my audio to work. There was a very helpful YouTube video that I found and a blog site that was kind of talking about the particular issue that I was having. And I also, through Streamlabs, would be able to use a Restream bot because I use Restream to with OBS to go to all the platforms. So if I do end up going to Streamlabs, I believe I would be able to use their Restream bot and would be able to hook all the chats all together. So I would be able to look at one place and have my Twitch, my DLive, and YouTube all come to the same feed. So you would be able to see other people's responses and reply to them that way. But sometimes Restream doesn't particularly work for that either. But it would be a very good idea, at least for me, as well to make things run a little smoother so I don't have to keep going back and forth and would be able to just look at one place for all of the chats. But it all comes a part of just trying to understand all the streaming. I've been actively streaming for a good probably two months or so with, with my setup that I have currently. Uh, Ron says, it comes on me TV. You, pro you probably received that over the air broadcast in your area, 11.30 Central Time. What are you using right now? I used OBS just to check it out. It seemed to work okay. I was thinking of streaming some content on DLive. Yeah, I use OBS, just the regular OBS studio. Those OBS Streamlabs as well, which I was just talking about. But yeah, I answered your question there. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. But uh, you should definitely stream some on DLive. I don't know if you should get into YouTube, especially with what YouTube's been doing. Uh, even if you're not necessarily fully conservative, but you're pretty... Uh, conservative yourself and I think you would admit that as well uh, so I don't know if YouTube would necessarily be your smartest strategy but I would definitely recommend you streaming on DLive for sure you definitely have a lot to say and definitely have good content to talk about uh, Axe says can you talk about how to stream when you're not streaming <laughs> and then Anti-Anti-Fascist says you would have to pay for premium with Restream I think it's like $14.99 a month or so yeah I, uh, there's a couple of streamers what I'm in a network with called J.R. J. R. Edgar or J. Edgar. Then you have uh, Stephen Ingeramus and Generational Gap that are part of this uh, network that I'm in. And I highly recommend checking their channels out as well. But they all use Restream Bot. So I definitely have people to talk to when I finally can get that to work. I tried it a couple months ago and it went complete trash and I lost like all chats. I couldn't see any chat. So when I was watching the stream over just to kind of look over it, I noticed that there is several people commenting and I don't necessarily want that to happen. Uh, but uh, Ron says, I have been on YouTube so long that I can actually put links and comments. I, d I didn't in in invent YouTube just saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I, I still don't know if I would necessarily spend your time in streaming to uh, YouTube when if you do decide to stream. Now, you could always do restream and just stream to all platforms if you wanted. But uh, anyway, you, you already know that because you've been watching the, the, the Freedom Scoop Network for a while. But we'll get into this article real quick. I'll take a quick drink, actually, before I start reading. Alrighty. Ruby Giuliani, Sidney Powell not part of the Trump legal team. And I did talk about this article in one of my streams beforehand, but I thought it was a very good article that kind of summarized everything up. And those who are tuning into the live stream today and not any in the past, would I think it takes a good uh, summary of all events. 
President Trump's campaign on Sunday distanced itself from Sidney Powell, saying that the lawyer has been alleging voter fraud in the November election, is not a member of the Trump legal team. Sidney Powell is practicing law on her own, said Trump's personal attorney Ruby Giuliani and another lawyer for Trump, Jenna Illis, in a statement. She is not a member uh, of the Trump legal team. She is also not a member of the president in his personal capacity. No further details or clarification was offered. In a statement obtained by the Wall Street Journal, Powell said, I agree with the statement today. I will represent the hashtag we the people and seek the truth. I intend to expose all the fraud and let the clips fall where they may. We will not allow for the foundations of this great republic to be destroyed by abject fraud. This statement comes after Powell, who also serves as General Mike Flynn's lawyer, has given multiple press conferences on behalf of Trump, who included her in a list of lawyers for his team in a November 14th tweet. I look forward to Mayor Giuliani spearheading the legal effort to defund our right to free and fair elections. Ruby Giuliani, Joseph De Joseph Victor, and Sidney Powell and Jenna Illis, a truly great team, added another word, wonderful lawyers and representatives, the president tweeted. Powell appeared alongside Giuliani at a rural press conference on th Tuesday where they both made a number of allegations concerning coordinated voter fraud in a number of states. And it talks a little bit more, but really this is a somewhat old article, but I did want to mention it in my podcast because it is pretty big news for uh, the election cycle and what's happening for there. So uh, basically to summarize the whole event and what I also mentioned before, is that there are several parts to why Sidney Powell may have been, may have done this. And I think the thing that makes the most sense to me is that it's good to split up your legal team when you're pursuing different efforts. So instead of keeping her part of the main legal team and her maybe with one other person working on the issue and kind of distracting from the main focus of that legal team itself with the melon ballots was to put her separate where she can build a team with herself and focus on the Dominion side software by herself so in other words you are spinning you're, you're separating into two but your two parts are going to focus on their particular issue and therefore the impact are the 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 therefore you basically you're making yourself have a greater chance to improve and to uh to improve and and well to improve your claim and to prove that your claim is right so basically by swinging the two and focusing on both issues instead of kind of going like this and kind of mixing around each other you're able to to spend more of your time more effectively and i see ron here says yes i have been watching freedom scoop for over a year now i try to watch all of you guys keep up the good work yeah we definitely appreciate you ron you have definitely helped out helped uh, freedom scoop out a lot and you're definitely one of the classic regulars for sure and uh like i was saying earlier if you definitely like the sort of content that i do you should definitely check out jay edgar or steven and Garamus or generational grab the frickle freckles and brit show all of those sort of shows and you can just go to freedomscoop.com if you want to find all of those shows in one place and that's freedomscoop.com and if you like the sort of content here they kind of do similar stuff with their own sort of spin 
But uh, we'll get to my last article I have here. And this was in particular with uh, the shredding of ballots that were happening in Georgia and other counties along with it. And I just thought that was something I, I mentioned on my fraud stream. And I wanted to, to make sure that those claims were all right. Are, are, yeah, we're all right. Cobb County responds to second video circulated by Lynn Wood. Cobb County responded to a second video making rounds on social media after it was treated by Atlanta attorney Lynn Wood. Most of the social media commentary in question, including the tweets by Wood, accessed the country of illegal shredding evidence of voting fraud in November 3rd's general election. The country had issued a response to an earlier similar video tweeted by Wood reporting to show the destruction of evidence at Jim Miller Park. The latest video shows a truck from a shedding company unloading documents, and you can see her tweet that uh, has the particular video portion of it, but the video does not clearly show what is being loaded into the truck as a further note. Uh, da, da, da. Wood was the was was in the news last Thursday, November nineteenth, when his attempt to block certification of Georgia's election results were was dismissed by Trump's appointed U.S. District Judge Stephen Grunberg. Wood's Twitter Twitter profile contains the hashtag WWG. One WGA associated with the Kuan conspiracy theory movement. Cobb County Communications Director Ross Cavout wrote the following about the latest video. The video, uh, the video shows a shredding company at a building housing the main office for Cobb elections on Whitlock Avenue in Moretia. The building houses many other Cobb County governmental governmental offices, and a document disposal company was at the building as part of a regularly scheduled visit to the Cobb Tax Commissioner office. No items from Cobb's elections were involved. These ballots and documents involved in the recount effect are currently located at the Jim R. Miller Event Center several miles away, and they include their tweet. And we'll play one of those videos just for those who are watching live. And of course, Twitter has their their little uh, uh, I dot that basically says this claim about the election fraud is disputed. And by the way, most of Trump's Twitter uh, tweets that he has about anything to do with the election have this little update. But we'll go ahead and play this video, and I believe there is sound on this one. And those who are listening live, basically you see this uh, this um, trash can and this person's unloading stuff into a dumpster portion. And this dumpster portion is getting lifted up over to a uh, truck with a trailer and these ballot things are getting dumped into this trailer. So it's very suspicious of the fact of what exactly is happening. And this is obviously showing the beginning stage of the video and she has several other videos afterward where uh, it follows kind of the process of what these ballots went through uh, through the shredding company or and whatnot. This is the third trash can I've seen shredded so far since I arrived here at about 10, 15.
So that was the video there. And it's just very, very suspicious that these ballots would be shredded in the first place. And there's not really any reason that I could particularly see that gives a, a, a reason that this would happen. And I see Ron Helton says, and this was actually something we talked about before. And this is, there's no way that an demented person like Joe Biden got close to 80 million votes with some districts reporting 80 to 100% or more turnout. This is... This is not feasible, not even in Hollywood scripts. And yeah, we definitely talked about that entire claim. And really, when I when I do a stream just of uh, Trump's uh, campaign or Trump's uh, legal team, because I'm waiting for more evidence. Whenever the evidence comes out and more information about everything comes out and videos I can find and, and articles I can find on the particular details of everything that Ron mentions and what I have mentioned before, I'm going to do just a stream about the fraud claims that are happening right now and the process going on. But that is all the articles I had for today's podcast. And I'll read Ron's comments here. Turnout that is not feasible, not even... Yeah, we read that. There is every reason to believe at this point that there are thousands of fraudulent fraudulent ballots. And those claims definitely seem uh, doable for sure. Uh, I definitely think that those claims aren't just fully conspiratorial by any point and have more truth than deniability to them for sure. But uh, that's all I have for articles for today's uh, podcast. And I just wanted to quickly mention those who are listening to this now, or those who are listening to this uh, as a podcast, the video of me with the doctor is already going to be on my YouTube channel, The Breakdown with Birkenoff. But those who are listening now or maybe listening before Thursday, I am going to be doing a stream tomorrow or Thursday with Anna Votez and a special guest who is a doctor at 11 Eastern Time or 10 Central Time on my Twitch uh, DLive at The Breakdown with WB on my YouTube channel, The Breakdown with Birkenoff. And then on Friday, I am also going to do a live stream about the Green New Deal or as some refer it to the Green New Still. And I hope to see you there with, uh, with all the information I gather for all of those. So thank you for watching and thanks for the follow anti-anti-fascist and thanks for your comments on DLive Ron Helton. And also thank you Axe uh, Ranger on Twitch and I'm scrolling up here real quick. Dark Sage 9117 and Tank Boba for your comments all on Twitch. I highly appreciate everything and talking with you and reading what you have to say and your theories about everything makes the stream, makes the podcast, makes content creation a whole lot more fun. So I greatly appreciate all of you and I hope you all have a good rest of your day.